All right. Hello, and welcome to Politics in a Movie with your hosts, Doug and Mike. I'm Doug. And I'm Mike. Welcome. This week's episode, Watergate and Back to the Future 2. Hello, everyone. This is our first episode of our podcast. If you haven't figured it out, uh, we cover two separate segments in our podcast. Mike will lead you on his merry review of a political topic. And then I will cover a movie that we pick. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you covered that well, Doug. (laughs) Thank you very much. And then, uh, hey, a quick mention to our uh, tech guy extraordinaire, Frenchie. He's, uh, he's making our tech magic happen in the background. We want to give him a quick call out and thank you. And uh, he would chime in, but not only does he not understand a single thing I'm saying, but he we have no budget to get him a microphone. <laughs> so, but he is in the background and we do thank him for his help. Oh, oh yeah. He's holding his thumb up. He's giving a thumbs up. Good, Good job, Frenchie. Yes. Thank you. All right, so uh, why don't we jump into today's political topic, Mike, uh, Watergate. Sure, Watergate. I know a lot, of, a lot of our audience knows about Watergate. I mean, it's been around for a long time. It happened in the early 70s. And uh, the funny thing, you know, in talking about Watergate, a lot of people might not realize that uh, the title came from the name of the real estate complex where some of the events happened. I mean, a, a lot of the kind of crimes happened after the events, but basically the offices of the Democratic Committee were in an office building called the Watergate. And it was more than an office building. It had apartments and it had a hotel. And uh, in fact, back when I worked in Washington, somebody who worked in my office lived in an apartment at Watergate. Yeah, but um, yeah, and it's interesting, you know. Watergate, of course, is, you know, is the word people use to define that specific scandal. Uh, but you know, uh, over over the years, it's turned into a thing where people just throw the word "gate" at the end of all kinds of words to indicate a scandal. Yes, but do they know really like what's past that? And they know who the you know that it's a scandal about, you know basically uh, um, affecting this, uh, the president at the time. Like how many people yes. know that it was president, uh, what's his full name? Richard Milhouse Nixon. Yeah, 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 that guy. Like how many people know <laughs> that guy's tied to Watergate? Like Iran Contra Gate. Yeah. You know, Monica Lewinsky Gate. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, what do they do if there's an actual, you know, scandal that has to do with water? That's what right. are they going to call it? Yeah, what would they call it? Like if some, uh, you know, company, <laughs> some corporation was, you know, uh, poisoning the water supply <laughs> accidentally in some major city, they would have to call it something else. Yeah. Watergate 2.0. Yeah. But anyway, for those who don't know, Watergate, it began because there was a break-in at this, at this office building called Watergate where uh, it turned out that uh, – guys that were connected to President Nixon, then President Nixon's uh, re-election campaign broke into the offices of the Democratic National Committee at the Watergate building. And uh, it 
blew up into a much bigger thing and Nixon eventually resigned because it was revealed that he had more knowledge than he had suggested that he had. And he, you know, was impeached and I actually, I don't know if he was impeached, but he had to resign. Right. So, right. Were you ever down there when you had lived in DC, Doug? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the Watergate. It is a nice, it's a nice complex. Yeah. I mean, along the river, they were, now there's shops and things down there. It's a place to go and, you know, sit by the water there. And I don't know, there's probably delis and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah. And some people might wonder, you know, how we choose our topics and, and corresponding movie. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of uh, a certain movie might make us think about a topic. You know, and you might think, well, why why don't we do why don't we talk about the movie All the President's Men, right? Yeah, that's pretty much up the uh, the alley of talking right. about Watergate. I um, thought that would have been a great. I, I I think we should definitely put that in the file for a future discussion. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. I love the the DC kind of scenery and everything. Yeah, um, it's just really a thriller movie, and. Uh, you know, it it's just so, and it's historical. I just love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, when so, I talk about the film, I will tell I will tell you why we chose that film in regard to Watergate when, when we get there. So sure, yes. That that's but, a trick we podcasters use to keep you listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't touch that dial. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And Watergate, you know, it's interesting. There was a, a documentary that was on streaming, uh, mostly focused on, I think, probably John Dean's book. And he was Nixon's attorney general, or he was on Nixon's staff, I think. Right. And uh, he was his White House counsel, I should say. He was not the attorney general. Mm. But um, it just was fascinating. I, every th- I, I grab every story that I can read about that, and, and I and I watch as much as I can. I just think it's just an amazing time. I mean, it's sad. It's just, and people make the comparisons between Watergate and what's happening now, and you know the investigations of uh, our former president, right. and and the the corollaries. You know, yeah. I think it's you know it's fascinating. I think they fit. Yeah, and you know the the whole the whole Watergate scandal really wouldn't have had uh, the teeth that it had if they didn't uncover like tangible recordings, right? Right. That were just they, they couldn't he couldn't escape like he couldn't lie his way out of these recordings. Right. Like hours of recordings. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, he in, incriminated himself and, you know, he used foul language. <laughs> yes, he did. He did use foul and anti-Semitic language. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and before they had the recordings. Like he was denying all this stuff up and down, you know, and then they show the recordings. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> right. it's just crazy to me how like people will lie, blatantly lie, like deny everything. And then when you show them the proof, you know, yeah. like at least Nixon had the decency back then to just say, you know, you got me. Yep. You know, the jig is up. Um, you know, but these days people are like, oh, that's a deep fake. Oh, uh, you know, that's not my voice. (laughs) I know. I think with uh, Clinton, 
sort of just toughing it out with his scandal with Monica Lewinsky um, and the impeachment, you know, that did not they did not convict him. I think that set the precedent, perhaps for Trump, who is going ahead and challenging. He challenged his impeachments. He also was not convicted. Yeah, yeah. Like it just seems over time, it just gets a little, little more, a little muddier. Um, but you got to look back into the seventies and Watergate as, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it was, it was kind of like, I don't know, like a naive time maybe, or right. You know, feels like it. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, it was a more honest time. Like even, (laughs) even the crooks in the seventies, like if you show them the evidence, they're like, yeah, you got me. Yeah. All right. (laughs) right like even the like the crooks were more honest (laughs) so today you talked about the recording devices today you can't say anything you know don't don't think that you'll ever get away with you can't Hmm. i mean they try and lie but it's all it's on tape it's on camera you know i just feel like it's a different time and back then maybe nixon thought he could get away with with it but then yeah, well, I guess he just thought, you know, that those recordings were his. Yeah. You know, maybe he thought, well, you know, if someone comes in here to get <laughs> these recordings, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll put my cigar on them and they'll burn up in a flash. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe he thought it was like a real easy way to get rid of the evidence. I don't know. Well, yeah, he, his now, famous now quote was, if the president does it, it's not a crime. Because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for shedding some uh, modicum of light on that topic. Uh, on to our movie segment. Back to the Future 2 came out in 1989, four years after the first one. Wow. Otherwise known to fans as BTTF2. And I don't think I don't think we're going to be able to give any spoilers here because the film's 34 years old. <laughs> so uh, if you're worried about spoilers, um, you know, you definitely should watch this movie before listening to some random podcast. But, uh, you know, Mike, it was a big, you know, Back to the Future was a big hit back in, uh, I guess, you know, 85. Right. Yep. And so uh, it's interesting you know, it was a really big hit, but, uh, you know, the guy who wrote and directed it, right? Do you know who wrote and directed it? Trivia. Zemeckis. That's right. Robert Zemeckis. So he wrote the thing and he wrote it just to be like a standalone single movie. Yeah. He had no plans on it being, um, you know, three parts. And uh, in fact, that's why he did the ending. Do you, do you remember the ending of uh, the first Back to the Future? No. Marty McFly sort of changed the past slightly so that his dad was all of a sudden successful. Oh. So he wakes up at the end of the movie and he's like, holy, holy heck, my dad and mom have this great life now and everything's better because I made slight changes in the past. And as he's sort of, you know, basking in this uh, moment, Doc Brown appears out of nowhere in, in the DeLorean time machine and startles Marty, and he's like, listen, you got to come with me. And Marty says, you know, uh, why? What's wrong? And, 
you know, Doc's like, it's, it's your kids. We got to do something about your kids. You got to come yeah. with me right away. You got to come with me back to the future. And like, that's the hanger, you know, that's the yep. end of the film, basically. And Zemecca said he, he did that thinking it would be funny and kind of leave people thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what could be the, but he, he completely didn't expect it to cause a sequel. And so when the first movie made so much money and he was almost forced to do a sequel, he was kicking himself because he's like, "How? what the heck am I going to do? How the heck am I going to get myself yeah. out of this pickle? Like, you know, as a writer, you really don't want to be forced into this specific uh, concept of the whole movie you're trying to write. Like now it has to have his kids. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so that so that was a bummer for him. Oh no 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 no! You, you and Jennifer both turn out fine. It's your kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. You know, but the first the first one uh, made a lot of money. The second one made is made uh, slightly more. I think it made uh, three hundred and thirty two million back in nineteen eighty nine. Nice piece um, of change. Yeah, three hundred thirty two million. And uh, you know how, like, these days people are like, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, that much is this much in today's dollars. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so um, I, I ran the numbers, and that's $824 million in today's dollars. Wow. So there you go. Frenchie, how much is $824 million U.S. dollars? How much is that in your currency? I think uh, Frenchie, Frenchie's currency used to be the, what, the franc? The franc? But now it's the euro, I think. So, all right. He, he doesn't know. He's going to look it up. <laughs> um, interesting casting fact. In the first one, you know who was actually supposed to be Marty McFly? And actually, they filmed like a couple of weeks of filming with this guy. That redheaded guy. That's right. Yes. Redheaded guy. Keratop. <laughs> no, no, no. No, not, not Keratop. It was uh, Eric, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Yes, yes, Eric Stoltz. Yeah, so he was he was Marty McFly, like he got cast as that dude, and uh, they actually filmed a little bit, right? Did they? They it was like weeks of filming, like a month maybe. And uh, after those weeks, the director said, "You know, this isn't working out. Like Eric Stoltz is too too much of a serious actor." Oh, and then they had to just you know <laughs> they had to just get rid of all that footage, and then they pulled in Michael J. Fox. So the rest is history. Well. <laughs> Interesting, Buddy Ibsen, Uncle Jed Clampett, was the original Tin Man of Wizard of Oz. Did you know that? I did not know that. He was. He was actually a uh, like a good dancer, and he had to stop filming because he was allergic to the paint that they put on him for to be the Tin Man, the oh. the metallic paint. And so, so you're talking about the guy from Beverly Hillbillies? <laughs> yeah, Uncle Jed. Uncle Jed, gotcha, gotcha. He was the Tin Man. Yeah, and he and he missed out on that that rich opportunity <laughs> because of an allergy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Frenchie is letting me know that eight hundred and twenty-four million is seven hundred and seventy million in euros. Oh, thanks, Frenchie. Yes. So always, always good to know the proper currency conversions. Another interesting thing with the casting is Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly, he had a girlfriend in the first one. Yes. And at the very and she was in the very last scene also of the first one. Yeah. And then in the very first scene, they kind of reproduced that last scene from the first movie. 
And it wasn't that same actress anymore. It was Elizabeth Shue now. Right. Yeah, she stepped in as uh, Jennifer Parker. And, and uh, she went on to have some success. I wonder what happened to the original. Yeah, Jennifer. apparently the original one wanted to do the movie, but I guess her mom was ill. So she had, oh. to, bag, she had to bag out. There you go. Family is always getting in the way of career. <laughs> you remember that. Yeah, and then so Robert Zemeckis, right? He had to now think of you know bttf2 you know how is he going to make that movie based on how the first one ended right elizabeth shoes asking what the heck is going on and uh, michael <laughs> j Vox says you know uh you're in a time machine <laughs> she's like oh my god i get to see the future and doc brown is uh you know not too happy with this he pulls out some device and puts her to sleep right oh yeah and 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 marty says what the heck doc what would you do that for and he says uh well you know she's she's learning too much about the future and that can be detrimental basically and then he says don't worry about her she's not essential to my plan <laughs> and that's how that's how the writer that's how zemeckis like you know freaking worked that out he's like well what, how am i going to handle that you know now i got to have her tag along so it's now Marty, Doc, and Jennifer. But like right away, he has Doc knock her out with some, you know, <laughs> sleep-inducing device. Roofy. And, and and he actually says the line, she's not essential. <laughs> Don't worry. She's not essential to my plan. I just love Doc Brown, you know, portrayed by, uh, oh, who's the actor? Who's the actor? Christopher Lloyd. You know, he, he portrays Doc Brown so uh, wonderfully, you know, fluctuating between you know, this genius inventor who's using logic and then uh, someone who's just like has a youthful outlook and is giddy with the prospects of things throughout the film. Like he switches gears very wonder wonderfully. Like there's a moment in the film where they're, they're traveling back, back into the past again. And Marty says, uh, oh man, it feels like I was just here yesterday. And Doc Brown says, you were Marty, you were here yesterday. Like, <laughs> Like it's in such like a excited, gleeful, childlike wonderment, you know, and and that you know that's what makes these movies, uh, in my opinion, just you know awesome because there's like such wonderment to them, and you know the actors really carry that across, you know, Mike. The one the one great thing in in BTTF two, Mike, that I love uh, when Doc and Marty get together in his uh, in his house. He goes over and explains to Marty and us, the audience, you know, how time how time travel works. Like he pulls out a blackboard and he sketches it out. And he's like, okay, at this moment in time, we went forward and then this happened. And then we go back into the past. And Marty says, well, okay, let's go fix it by going back into the future and stopping this. And he's like, no, if we go into the future of this timeline, we're stuck in that timeline and he's powerful in that in that future. We have to go back and alter the you know, and to me, it's just genius how he goes through that whole explanation. Um, right. And, you know, when I saw the movie originally, uh, no film that had time travel in it ever took the time to sort of explain it to the audience in any real sense, you know? Yeah. So I referred to why we chose this movie earlier, Mike. Okay. Yeah. And so when they go into 1985, they pull out a newspaper that shows 
Biff when he first was like making his first million. Right. And so I froze the frame of that film, Mike, and I looked at the newspaper. Yes. And here's here's the Easter egg. The newspaper says in the corner, it says Nixon wins fifth term. <laughs> like like in a in a tiny space that you wouldn't even really necessarily notice when you're watching, yeah. movie, you know. And then it says Nixon says Vietnam War will end in 1985. So not only do they have, you know, Nixon still in power because apparently, you know, the concept was he had so much power that he was able to rewrite the Constitution to allow unlimited terms, right? Yep. And stay in power. But because of him, uh, the Vietnam War dragged out another 20 years or whatever. <laughs> or 15 years and that's and that's in the newspaper when you freeze it hmm. yeah uh it's interesting when you think about how technology was represented back in back to the future too oh right newspapers yeah. one of the things that i thought was kind of fun is uh when he goes into his house like marty mcfly in 2015 and his son walks into the uh the, the living room and it's like a huge screen TV that he splits into six different channels. Yeah. Yeah. He walks in there. He's like, uh, hey, you know, put on channel 63, 105, you know, 22, right. uh, 13, and the weather channel. <laughs> like huh. He actually says that. He actually says, and the weather channel. And I'm thinking, who the hell is putting on the weather channel? <laughs> what teenager is putting on six channels of fun stuff and then the weather channel? But. But I see that in the future, Mike, you know, because so many people get are multitasking these days, right? Don't you see a future where like kids are just throwing up six streams of six different things and watching them all concurrently? Yeah, well, you know, I was in an airplane and you know how they've got these uh, movie screens on all the seatbacks now. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I wasn't using mine, but right. I was watching four other movies at the same time because of people in front of me and to my right. side, you know, and some of them had closed captioning on. So I was able to actually follow along, but I, I literally was watching four separate channels and uh, on an airplane, on an airplane. And I thought, oh, this, you know, this can be done. You can multitask. And <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't think there'll be a back to the future four, unfortunately. Yes, that is unfortunate, but you're correct. Yeah, they sort of tied it off. He meant to tie it off after the first one. Yeah, successfully did it after the third one. All right. Well, we're going to tie this episode off, Mike. Okay. For all of us here at Politics in a Movie, thank you for listening. And you can check out our website at politicsinamovie.com. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Frenchie. <laughs> He's given the okay symbol. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. Oh, this is heavy, Doc. I mean, it's like I was just here yesterday. You were here yesterday, Marty. You were. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>